Hi guys, I'm just listening back now to this episode, episode 7, and I'm realizing that there's something going on with the audio. I'm not sure if I was moving around too much or if it was the microphone and headphones I was using. Um, I'm unfortunately not equipped to fix it in post, um, but I will work really hard to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Sorry guys, I hope it doesn't bother you too much. It's Ainsley and welcome back to my podcast, Pregnancy Prep. Today is episode five and it's going to be part one of a three-part series about epidurals. So, like I said, this is Pregnancy Prep, a podcast for pregnancy, labor and delivery and everything that comes after. I am Ainsley, your host. I am a registered massage therapist and a birth and postpartum doula here in Ontario, Canada. And I'm doing this podcast to answer questions that people have or questions that they wish had been answered before going through the experience of pregnancy and labor and delivery. Um, So if you do have any questions or if you can think of something that might have helped you with your journey, whether you are the birthing parent or the partner parent, um, please let me know. I take all the questions on my Instagram, which is ainsleyk.rmt.doula. I'll put it in the show notes, but it's A-I-N-S-L-E-Y-K period R-M-T period D-O-U-L-A. All right. So let's jump into it. Epidurals. What is it and how is it administered? So an epidural is a regional anesthetic pain-killing drug that gets injected into your lower spine and it helps to numb or block the nerves that send those pain signals to the areas of the body that are most often affected in labor. So it would block the nerves that send those pain signals to your stomach, your pelvis, your low back, and your hips. One thing that I think is really important that I've learned recently that not a lot of people know is that an epidural is not just a one-shot needle. It's not just this one-time needle that goes into your back. It's actually a catheter, and it gets left into the birthing parent's back during labor. It won't be removed until afterwards. A person can get an epidural at almost any time during labor. The hospitals will recommend not getting it too early into labor, and the only reason for that is that Studies have shown that the earlier in labor that you get the epidural, the more likely it is that an intervention would need to be implemented, and often that is a C-section. So to decrease that, they do try to wait until you're a little bit further along in your labor progression. And on the other end of that, because it takes about 20 minutes to administer the epidural, and then another 20 minutes more for that medication to kick in. And that's assuming that the anesthesiologist can come to you straight away and that you don't have to wait for them to get to you. Um, If the birthing parent is close enough that it's determined by the staff that they would be pushing in less than 40 minutes, then they'll say there's just no point in getting the epidural because you wouldn't be able to receive the benefits from it by the time the medicine actually kicked in. The most common reason that a person is going to get an epidural during labor is to reduce pain, obviously, um, to ease fear. A lot of the time, fear actually has a huge impact 
on how much pain you're feeling. And sometimes the epidural can just bring both of those two things down. Another reason is to help them relax. Uh, Sometimes, especially when Pitocin is being used and the pain is getting really intense really quickly, the birthing parent just cannot relax. And because of that, it's causing dilation to halt. And so sometimes um, epidurals are used so that the person can actually relax and so that dilation can happen. And then another really, really big one is actually to allow them to rest. So with the epidural, um, a lot of pain relief is given and to the point where some women can actually fall asleep during labor because the pain of the contractions is reduced so much. Um, And this would be done so that by the time it got to the point in labor where you're pushing, you have enough strength to do the pushing. So often... A person will get the epidural during transition, which is one of the most painful parts of your contractions during labor. Um, That is going to be covered in other podcasts that we do, but there are different phases of labor and transition is one. Um, And because that's the height of pain for a lot of people who are laboring, that's one time when they decide that the epidural is necessary. And it's also been shown that usually around five to six centimeters is when somebody decides that that's when they need the epidural. Um, When you get an epidural, you will be given a safety waiver that you have to read and sign. And I think that it's important to know this because if you aren't prepared for it, it can be a little bit intense and a little bit scary. It'll have a lot of big words on it and it'll ask if you understand all the risks associated with getting the procedure. Um, one of which can be death. And so that is something that we're going to be discussing in episode seven, which is part three of this series. Um, so I'm not going to go too far into that, but I just think that it's important for any potential, um, parent or person going into the labor and delivery room. Even if you think that you're not getting the epidural, I think you should get yourself educated on the epidural so that if it does happen, you know, what's going to happen. And one of the big things that goes on is that you have to sign this very scary, very big worded um, waiver. So the anesthesiologist will be summoned and it's possible that if the anesthesiologist at that time, if there's only one in the hospital that you're delivering in, if they are already in a C-section, if they are giving an epidural to somebody else, if there's another surgery happening, it could take a while. It could take an hour before they can get to you, but they will be summoned and the waiver will be presented to you and you will sign it. And when they arrive and the risk and benefits has been reviewed and signed, the staff is going to begin to ensure that the half of the room that that anesthesiologist is working on, so it would be the half of the room where the birthing parent's back is facing, uh, is sterile. And that's a very important thing to remember. They don't even want people crossing into that space. So there isn't like a piece of red tape that's put down telling you to not enter this half of the room, um, which I could have used in my very first labor because I accidentally did cross the invisible line to get the um, birthing partner, the father, his shoes because he felt like his feet were slipping and the mom was leaning on him. (laughs) Um, And so I stepped across this invisible line not knowing it was there because no one had told me Um, and this was my very first experience in the labor and delivery room and I got yelled at rightfully so, but it was, it was embarrassing and it was scary. So I'm telling you to not enter the half of the room. (laughs) 
<laughs> where the anesthesiologist is getting ready to do an epidural because you will get yelled at. <laughs> um, so they will ask any of the extra people in the room to leave. Um, usually the birth partners are going to stay to support um, or a doula can stay to help support. It's usually the birthing parents call and a lot of times they will, if they have a doula, ask for the doula to stay because they have a little bit more experience. In some cases, um, I don't know how it'll be post COVID-19, but in some cases they will let both the doula and the birthing partner stay and they'll often have the mom sitting on the edge of the hospital bed or the birthing parent sitting on the edge of the hospital bed with um, her back completely exposed. So usually in a hospital gown, back completely exposed with iodine all on the back to keep it clean and sterile. Um, at this point, she's already been given an IV and she will probably be leaning on either her birth partner or her doula. So they'll be either sitting or standing right in front of her and she will be leaning forward. So there's a nice arch in her back. So everything is displayed really well and the lumbar vertebrae are separated just a little bit so that they can get a perfect shot <laughs> um and they will of course try to wait so that they aren't putting a needle into your spine in the middle of a contraction um which again is another reason why you do it a little bit earlier on in labor when the contractions are still separated a tiny bit um because you cannot move it is a needle going into your spine um and that's very difficult to not move when you're in that much pain when you're having a contraction so yeah the birthing parent will be seated with their back exposed the IV in their arm or their hand iodine on their back to keep it completely clean um the first needle that will be administered is actually just a freezing to numb the area and then the second needle is a hollow needle because like I said, the epidural is not just a one-shot thing. So a hollow needle will be inserted in between two of the lumbar vertebrae um, all the way into the epidural space. And a small catheter will then be fed through the needle into the spine and then taped to the birthing parent's back. Um, I have also been told that there are some places where they can use... Um, glue that they would use for like casts and stuff like that just a stronger glue so that it really doesn't move at any point because that can happen um, and then the catheter kind of comes up and over the birthing parent's shoulder um, there are a couple different ways that the epidural can work um, most times in Ontario it is going to be a um, a button, a release button that the birthing parent can control themselves so that they can release more medicine when they need it. And then there's a cap and it'll block you at a certain point um, because it's not constantly flowing through. Um, and then some of them are actually just controlled by time and by the nurses. Um, I can go into this in more detail in a different episode if people are curious, if if you are curious, please message me. Um, but an epidural is not a spinal. There is actually a difference both in the method of administration and in the medicine that is included in it. Um, a spinal is going to go deeper than the epidural space and um, it is just a shot. Um, but like I said, I can go into that a little bit more if you're interested in a different episode. 
Uh, the epidural is going to stay in until after the baby is born. Um, and will most likely remain in if any stitches or anything like that is needed and for the placenta delivery. Um, and then it'll be removed. It will take a little while for the birthing parent to get their sea legs back, so to speak. Um, so they will have to be monitored by hospital staff, mainly nurses, um, and hopefully their birth partner and their doula. If they want to get up and go to the bathroom, if they want to get up and get showered, these are things that are going to be a little bit difficult, a little bit shaky. Um, some people actually are able to walk with their epidural. Um, it just, it fully depends on the anesthesiologist, the birthing parent's body and where the needle is hit, like where it administers the drugs. Um, but in Ontario, I've never heard of a hospital staff actually allowing somebody to walk around if they have an epidural. If they have an epidural, they are, um, confined to the bed at that point, the, the hospital bed. Um, we will talk a little bit more about that in risks and benefits. So in episode six and episode seven, um, but yeah, here, most hospitals aren't going to let you walk around if you have an epidural, even if you still have the strength in your legs to do so. Um, do, 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 do. just looking through all my notes cause I want to make sure I get everything for this episode down. Um, one thing to remember is after they get the epidural, and this is more for the birthing partners to listen up, you aren't off the hook <laughs> just because they aren't in as much pain as they were in. And because they've clearly been able to relax and potentially are sleeping, um, that is not an excuse to go turn on the TV or turn on your iPad or put your headphones in. If the birthing parent is sleeping and you yourself are also tired and need a rest, then by all means, please get out the, um, the hospitals usually call it the daddy bed or the cot, or even just sit in the chair and rest your head on the bed where the mom is so that if she wakes up, she can easily just kind of tap you on the head. Um, but a lot of women report feeling neglected or lonely or just almost forgotten after getting the epidural. And it, um, it really does impact the rest of their labor and how they remember their labor and delivery story. Um, so things to do are to, if you're um, with hospital staff, is to get her to actually bring her hand down and feel when the baby's coming out. Um, have her look at the contractions when you're at the point of pushing. Have her look and see, yep, contractions are happening. I'm in labor. <laughs> Just again, the pain is gone. The pressure is there, but the pain is gone. So it's important that she still feels like this is happening. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about before I talk about what's actually in the epidural is a couple good things to say, um, to put in place before you decide to get the epidural. So if you're somebody going into this thinking, I don't want an epidural. There's no way I'm getting one. No way. You should, just in case, have a code word. A code word that you can use um, so that when you're saying to your partner, your doula, your midwife, I want the drugs now, they aren't saying, yeah, but you said no matter what you say to not give you one. So this way, if you say that word, they know that you mean business. So that is very important. 
And then a couple other things, if you don't want just a word, you can have a couple different phrases like encourage me to keep going no matter what, unless I say this word or phrase. So that's the example I just gave. Ask me to try for blank more contractions. So ask me to try for three more contractions. And then if I still want it, I will ask again. Don't offer it to me. Um, Similar, ask me to wait five more minutes. And then if I still want it, I will ask again. Um, Remind me to try until my cervix is blank centimeters dilated. So again, this is something you're coming up with ahead of time. But maybe you want to wait until you're seven centimeters dilated. You don't want to get one ahead of time. Um, oh, and the last one, um, help me get an epidural as soon as I ask for it. Um, so these are just things that it's really good to think about beforehand so that you have these on hand and so that everyone is on the same page. Um, it just helps take away all the stress that's already going on. Um, and then, yes, the last thing that I was going to cover is um, what is in it. And so it's usually a mixture. Uh, the epidural is a mixture of medicine, which is usually a local anesthetic, um, which they say is in the cane family, like um, bufacane, <laughs> bupacaine. Um, and then another one, which is from the opioid family. So that would be like fentanyl, morphine, or sufentanyl. Um, so the mixture of those two drugs is what's helping decrease the pain during labor. So, like I said, I do have, um, intentions to make my next episode, the benefits of an epidural and the episode after that, the risks of an epidural. So this, the intention of this is to not convince you to get an epidural or to not get an epidural. I just think it's really important for people to be fully informed either way. Um, So I just wanted to make a nice short episode so that you could get a little bit of a better understanding of what was going on surrounding the epidural. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any questions, like I said, please just send them off to my Instagram. Um, And thank you so much for listening. Have a great morning, afternoon, night, wherever you are in the world. And I'll see you next week. Bye.